Welcome to Technology Forward, where we explore trends and developments in the additive manufacturing industry. Hello, everyone, and thanks for listening. Copper is viewed as a material that will accelerate future aerospace production. For example, the privately funded company Ursa Major delivered a copper-based 3D-printed rocket engine combustion chamber from its additive manufacturing lab in Youngstown, Ohio. A challenge, however, is that the existing supply chain for high-temperature metal alloy components is limited. However, development continues. I'm here today with Dr. Ankit Saharan, Senior Manager of Metals Technology at EOS North America, to discuss how copper and additive manufacturing can accelerate aerospace production and potentially other areas. So thank you for being with me here today, Ankit. Glad to be here, Leslie. Thank you and hello, everyone. Let's go into this a little bit. How is additive manufacturing better than using traditional methods to work with copper materials? Well, Leslie, to be honest, copper is no different than other materials when it comes to additive. So I would say many standard benefits that additive manufacturing offers to other materials still do apply. Like I can go for better design, better functional integration, supply chain robustness, and so on and so forth. I think what we're also quickly realizing is that we can do much finer detail resolution with copper, especially with additive manufacturing, depending on layer thicknesses, depending on laser spot sizes, and it's beyond what traditional manufacturing can do today. Plus, of course, if you count the amazing possibilities that the new alloys offer, uh, not just in terms of pure copper, but talking about uh, traditional alloys like copper chrome zirconium, or we're talking about NASA alloys that uh, like uh, GRK42 and 84, GRK42, you know, being the rage in the space industry right now. This is just, you know, this is just beginning of how we are going to shape the copper story. And I think copper itself is going to lend a very distinguished mark on the AM side of things. As we all know that uh, additive began with aerospace and medical, and now it's kind of taken off, especially on the space side. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, if we talking about space, you know, the concepts of regenerative cooling, uh, the concepts of aerospike engines, the concept of RDRE engines, they're getting all possible through additive manufacturing. Like if we talk about regenerative cooling, it's, it's not a very new concept. Like traditionally you had straight through drill holes, through chambers and liners to be able to cool the part, but now to be able to go around the part in a spiral fashion that's hugging the geometry of your uh, of your thrust chamber or your liners, you're getting much more efficient cooling. Same goes for aerospike engines. You know, they're decades old technology that NASA did, but uh, nothing really happened with them until, you know, companies are starting to explore them right now because additive is offering a way to produce these kinds of hardware reliably and more economically. Now, I know that because copper is a high temperature tolerant material, it's used primarily in like the engine portions of an aerospace application. Are there other uses for copper in aerospace? Um, Definitely. I think copper is being a very conductive material. It's uh, primarily not just used from a space standpoint in terms of thrust chambers and liners, it can also be used for heat exchanger applications, which is which are also very prevalent in mm-hmm. the industry. 
Um, historically, that has been done using aluminum silicon 10 Mac, which has been the aluminum alloy of the 3D printing market or additive manufacturing market. But uh, people are now realizing that copper offers some unique benefits too, uh, being a highly conductive and now being able to do uh, now being able to process copper in additive manufacturing, especially laser powder bed fusion, they're realizing they can swap some of the aluminum components with copper ones, uh, albeit to get you know better thermal conductivity properties. Are there any design tips that an engineer needs to be aware of when working with copper materials in additive manufacturing? So copper being copper is very exciting and it's very unique in a way that it runs typically much hotter than other materials by by that i mean is that you have to put a lot more energy in to be able to sustain a stable melt pool now the thing with uh with copper is the more heat you put in the more heat it dissipates away because you know it's an excellent conductor of heat so that's where the challenge comes from copper to be able to manage that, to be able to manage a general melt pool. So in general, the uh, heat input or the laser power or you know other factors that require to melt copper reliably result in a copper melt pool being slightly larger than other materials. And and but like I said, but with the advancements in software, process and material innovations, you know, new things are becoming possible where we're trying to see can we push the limits and go wall thicknesses of less than 150 microns on pure copper. That would really change the game on the uh, uh, heat exchanger side of technology or application. Why is that? Because it gives you a, the thinner profile gives you, you can pack a lot more of those thin profiles in a very complicated, uh, in very compact fashion. Okay. And if we're looking from a from a heat exchanger standpoint, the more surface I have, right. the better heat I'll conduct. And when we're talking about you know next generation heat exchanger devices or you know vapor chambers or something you know those kinds of devices, that's what's going to matter. It's this design that's going to unlock a lot more for the future. Are there any environmental considerations in working with copper in an additive method? I don't think there are any special considerations that are required I, to what is already known in the industry today. So anyone who's working and has controls in place for titanium and aluminum can very well do copper as well. Are there any drawbacks that an engineer should be aware of when working with copper and additive other than the ones you've mentioned about how it just, it dissipates heat so efficiently? Yes, the yes and no. I mean, copper, like I said, is very challenging and it's one of the more exciting materials. So historically, when uh, people looked at materials and, you know, process parameters, it was really easy for them. Like, you know, so people have an M290 and they had a parameters on an M290. Now they wanted to go to an M400-4, which is a larger machine. Uh, what they normally, what many people do today is take the parameters that are available on the 290 and then, you know, just transfer them one-to-one -one and just do minor gas flow modifications and you're at a pretty good starting point. Does that make sense? Yeah. But that doesn't work with copper. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, so because of the highly conductive nature of the material, the process window changes from machine to machine because 
you have a smaller build plate on the M290, which is 250 millimeter. So it's a smaller heat sink versus a larger plate on the M400-4, which is, you know, 400 millimeters and it's a larger heat sink. So you have to compensate for that in terms of process parameters. So that's where one challenge is that process development for copper for different materials essentially means that you're kind of starting from a little bit from a little bit farther from scratch, but yes, not uh, not like other materials. Okay. Now, are there any applications for using additive manufacturing and copper in electronics, like printed circuit boards or something along those lines? There definitely are. We are not in the, our machines are not going to be able to do a printed circuit board, you know, print circuits on a board, like that's not powder bed. Um, there are other technologies that can definitely do that and are doing that in my opinion today. But uh, where we would typically shine on the electronic side of things is still the, whatever applies on the aerospace side. Now we're talking about the electronic side. We're talking heat exchangers, vapor chambers. And think about in a very, on a very high level, where would heat exchangers be required in a, you know, electronics or in a consumer market would be, you know, all this data that we do, we always talk about, you know, how fast we can drive the internet, how fast we can, you know, terabytes of data being stored in the clouds, your photographs and everything, you know, all these are hosted on data centers across the world. And all these data centers are hosting all this data and they're running hot. Sometimes there, you have special coolers required to cool down the whole buildings because the servers are running so hot. Mm-hmm. And that's where heat exchangers here would come thing is that what, uh, looking at like, hey, can, how can we make efficient thermal management system for cooling the server racks, for example? Like that's one example, if that makes sense. That and, and that'll have huge implication of how we how we store data, how we manage data, and how data is you know especially managed across sites, especially with now countries requiring that you know my data or citizens of my country citizens data should remain within my borders you know because it's a challenge with data you know it's once it's in the cloud it's in the cloud it doesn't have in a physical location right definitely so are we working predominantly with pure copper or copper alloys what's the range there Mm -hmm. so i would say on the applications that require pure conductivity like heat exchanger vapor chambers and such you you people are primarily using pure copper and very low copper alloys okay by low copper alloys i mean like mainly copper but you know with small additions added for better processability or other uh, properties that are desired on the other side where we're talking about the space industry where we're talking about better oxidation resistance where we're talking about better thermal conductivity, but at the same time strength. Then we're talking about alloys like copper chrome zirconium. We're talking about alloys like GRCOP 42, GRCOP 84. So it's a, it's a fair mix. At this point, I would say in an application, if I have to guess in a guess estimate, an educated guess would be that 80% of the applications today are going to be for alloyed copper, like copper alloys. But I would say 20% are going to be for pure copper, low copper alloys, but not just on the electronic side, but also on the automotive side. Think about inductors, think about robot bars for EV vehicles. So 
uh, that's a sector which is up and coming as well. So I, I feel that in the future, it's going to be about 50-50, but right now it's very heavy on the uh, copper alloy side because uh, the space industry is right now leading the adoption of this material. So at this point, do you think that additive technology is as advanced as it needs to be to deal with the use of copper and, and various applications, or is there more technical development for the machinery itself that needs to happen? I personally believe, Leslie, that we would never be there. It's a journey. <laughs> that's, that's just my personal opinion. Okay. Uh, but uh, I would definitely say that this is a start, like think about like, you know, six, seven years ago. And at that time, people wanted to do copper, but we were talking about, hey, what if the laser is getting reflected back into that, into the optic system? What do I do with a laser backscatter? How do I handle so much amount of heat? But now we are now talking about, you know, how can we do more alloys? How can we do copper with a better strength, with more speed? Because now that's not a question of whether we can do copper. Now we can do copper, what kinds of copper we can do. And I think the next thing would be how fast we can drive the process. Because the process with copper are still relatively slow. But I think with the new advancements in technology, especially on the optic side, whether we're talking about a more powerful lasers, we're talking about different wavelength lasers, better software technology and be able to controlling how the scan paths on the on the on the laser powder bed fusion machine are getting controlled. I think it's going to be a game like it's going to change, but it's always going to be a journey. Interesting. Okay. So, um, any final thoughts that you might have on copper and additive manufacturing and what's coming down the pike for the industry? One thing I would always like to add is it's always easy to say that I wanted copper and I want this copper and I want that copper and people get into comparison, which is fair. But uh, it's very important to realize that every copper is suited for any every unique application. It's not like I can switch pure copper with a copper alloy or a copper alloy with a cop, you know, with pure copper, depending on what the application demands. And right now, there's always a concern of, especially in the space industry right now, there's, a, there's not a debate, I would say, but there's a seesaw going between GRK42 and copper chromium zirconium. We have NASA, who's kind of driving the adoption of GRK42 versus traditional copper chrome zirconium available. And there, there are caveats to both material because GRK42 being a newer material still has to mature its supply chain, whereas, whereas on the other side for copper chrome zirconium, the supply chain is much more robust. Even on the pricing points, there are huge differences between the two. Sometimes, you know, the differences are 3X and 4X in prices. So one thing I would always like to tell folks is like, just keep the materials in mind and keep them for, their, for what they are. They're, you're comparing apples and oranges. And we would definitely, we're very soon going to be coming up with a, with a short article basically comparing copper chrome zirconium and share copper 42. So I'd like to ask your listeners to just keep an eye out for that on LinkedIn. That's going to come out shortly. All right. That should be fascinating. Yeah. Send me that link too. Well, those are all the questions that I had. So thank you very much for your time, Ankit. Thank you, Leslie. It was really a pleasure talking to you. 